The Christian life is so much more than just what we hear from speakers on pulpits or platforms. It really involves our everyday lives. At our Fall Discipleship Conference, we put together six workshops to equip students with practical skills to walk more closely with God and better glorify Him. In this talk, Kevin Thorsell from San Diego State University teaches us how to fight against some of the enemy's common tactics. Welcome to FDC. All right, this pleases me. Okay, let me pray. And guys, I just want to invite you guys to um, invite the Holy Spirit right now into your own heart to prepare your heart for uh, what we're talking about, about perseverance. So God, we just invite you to come and give us everything that we need to persevere in our faith. Whether this is the first day we're putting our trust in you or whether we've been following you since before we can remember. God, we want to be people who finish strong. And um, yeah, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking to us. Yeah, do as you desire. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, so today we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to hang out there for most of the, the talk. What's so, up, baby? All right. Yeah. Come on in. Come on in. All right. All right, so... So 2 Peter chapter 1, um, who could have, who, who would be willing to read that for me? We're going to do 2 Peter chapter 1. I need someone to read, there we go, verses 5 through 11. Yeah, um, what's your name? Sorry. Sarah. Sarah. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, you don't have a Bible? You know what? Guess what I have? A Bible. I've got the text right here. Uh, this might be more than, let me see. This also jumps to verse 16 because we're going to be looking at 16 as well. So there's going to be a jump that you guys are going to go, what? We skipped some. Yes, we did. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but when we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. 2 Peter 1, 5-10. Awesome. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about perseverance today. What are some things in the Christian life that we need to persevere in? And you guys can just shout it out. You don't have to raise your hand. What do we need to persevere in? What are some aspects, whether that be disciplines or whatever? Faith. Faith, yeah. Staying in community. Staying in community, for sure. Yep. Discipleship. Discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> Prayer. Prayer. Uh-huh. Quiet times. Having your daily time with God. Yep, that's right. 
Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness. Yeah, totally. Maybe like not not falling into bitterness. Um, yeah, these are some some great things, and there are a lot of things in the Christian life that we need to persevere in. But what we're going to be talking about today is the big picture of at the end of our life, getting to the end and being able to hear from Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Getting to the end of our lives and being willing, being able to look back and to know that we ran this race hard, that we finished the race, that we're able to say, I kept the faith, I pressed on. And I didn't give up in the faith. There may have been some ups and downs along the way, but I finished strong. And right now, for, for any of you guys who have been paying attention to what's going on in the media with, a lot, with Christians, a lot of Christians are abandoning their faith. Whether that be they're falling into sin or they're being led astray or uh, one popular thing that maybe you guys have heard about is like the deconstruction type stuff where Christians are going, you know, I just don't believe anymore. And so, um, you know, and big spiritual leaders are falling into sexual sin and their ministries are being torn apart. And I look around and I go, I don't want to end like that. I want to finish strong. And I've had friends who, you know, I thought were walking with God so closely and they seem to be having fruit, evidence of the spirit in their life. And a couple years later, they're deep into sin and they're not walking with God anymore. They're not trusting the Bible anymore. And they go, guys, we, we need to, to have a plan to persevere. We need to know what it takes to persevere at the, so that at the end, we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So what does God desire of us? He desires for us to persevere in our faith. And Jesus tells us this. He says, stand firm. He says, persevere. There's all, all these different um, ways of saying it that we see in the Bible. But I want to break it down to two simple aspects of persevering, like two aspects of what God desires for us. And the first is really simple. It's to be saved. God wants us to be saved. So maybe for some of you guys, you've come here. You're on your journey of exploring faith in Jesus Christ, but you haven't quite um, made that decision to fully commit your life to him and to, to put your trust in Jesus as your savior, your Lord, your king, your master. And so what God wants is you to persevere in that journey so that you would come to, to salvation and be saved. But then once you're saved, God wants us to do more than just be saved and sit here. He wants us to be able to come to the end of our life having been effective and fruitful for Jesus Christ. He wants us to be effective and fruitful for Jesus Christ, really living this life hard, living it well. I love what Brian Zuniga said at the end of last night when he was talking about that chess game. And he said, oh, I was kind of kind of giving up towards the end, just making random moves. And his friend stops him and says, no. That move doesn't count. That move doesn't have a purpose. In Chinese chess, we only make moves with a purpose until the very end. Wow, like that's what it is to persevere. It's to continue making moves with purpose until the very end. Now, we have a spiritual enemy. That's Satan. And he has demons that work under his authority, just as God has angels under his authority. 
And Satan, you know, in the media, in the movies, he's just kind of played out to be a joke. He's really, you know, not that smart. Uh, But we have an enemy who has some power over our circumstances. Now, God is all powerful. God is sovereign over Satan. But Satan has some power that God has allowed to him over our circumstances. He also, get this, he has some impact on your thoughts. So you, have you ever had those thought patterns where you're, you're just spiraling downhill and you're like, man, it, you, you, you might think it's coming from you, but you might also be having someone helping you out with those negative thoughts. Satan does have some aspect, some control over our thoughts, some impact on our thoughts, and also our feelings. This might be new to some of you guys, but the enemy can also impact our feelings. So what is Satan's goal for us? I'll tell you. His goal is two things. If you're not yet saved, his goal is to keep you from becoming saved, to keep you from persevering in your journey towards faith in Christ, to keep you from continuing to explore faith in Christ to, until you come to salvation. That's what Satan wants. And if he, can, if he can get you to give up on that, he's won a victory. So don't fall into that. Keep pressing on until you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And once you are saved, for those of you guys who, who are already followers of Jesus, Satan's desire is to keep you from being effective. He wants to just maim you. He wants to make it so that you cannot be effective in your life. God has put us here for a purpose, and the enemy wants to keep us from, from living up to that calling. And that might be through false doctrines. It might be through sending people in your life to confuse you. It might be through sin. It might be through obsessions. I mean, sometimes that's what it is for me. Like, it's not necessarily like a sin. I'll just get like super obsessed about bikes, you know, or whatever. Like, like whatever it is at the time, my car, you know, I'll get super obsessed about it. And it like robs me of my effectiveness because I'm supposed to be doing something else. Um... Or it could be just a, a preoccupation with, with lesser things. So here's a little project I'm going to give you guys. I'm gonna, this is going to be a little insane because we have so many people in here. But I'm going to have you guys break up into groups of three or four. What was that? Six or seven. Probably better. No, just the three people around you. Well, yeah, yeah. I want just do it, do it with the groups around you because you guys are going to be talking a lot, and and I want everyone to get a chance to share, and I don't want it to take too long. So, okay. So here's the here's the prompt. Here's the situation, and this is this is a. A made-up situation here but it will be representative of some true things so here's your prompt there's a girl named Ashley she's 19 years old she's a sophomore in college hopefully that's maybe that's not your name I don't know anyway we're just using that name Ashley's a 19 year old sophomore in college who recently placed her faith in Jesus Christ she's starting to grow in her faith she's getting plugged in with community at you know challenge She's also starting to attend a local church, and she's beginning to get some traction in her faith. All right. Now, here's something you won't really hear many uh, ministers ask you to do. I'm going to ask you guys to pretend that you're Satan. 
okay? Pretend that you're Satan. And you had some control over her circumstances, her thoughts, and her feelings. What would you do to 19-year-old Ashley? To keep her from persevering in your in her faith, yeah. what would you do? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So hopefully you guys have some fun with that. You probably won't hear uh, ministers asking you to uh, think like Satan many more times. Um, but what were some things you guys came up with? I want to hear some some highlights. Just shout it out. Add a boy. Okay, add a boy. Woo, yeah. Bad boy. That's right. experience with the church she picked because she doesn't know any other church. She's just going to associate all churches with what happened Yeah. Yeah. It, so it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it's like a good opportunity. Right. But at that time, she's going to get distracted. Right. You won't imagine this internship that just fell into my lap, Bro. but I can't come to challenge anymore. Or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's right. Like just some. Oh, just Go some, for it. Yeah, some like sickness that prevents her from like going to classes. Mm. I don't know. Don't me. Yeah. <laughs> talked a lot about relationships and uh, temptations with drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. but like JC was thinking outside the box. Tell me stuff. I'd say uh, give her a friend, except uh, this friend eats pizza with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. So like, you brought like somewhere like random that has like no church. Yeah. 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 So just Yeah, divorce in the family, family problems, something to just mess them up. Financial problems. Getting married. Getting married at 19. Getting married at 19. Hey, we can build that at SDSU. just said are going to pop back up because as we're thinking about persevering we need to recognize we have a spiritual enemy and he's not just letting us go for a walk in the park all right if we're trying to be effective for jesus christ we have a target on our back and he wants to take us down he wants to get us to be ineffective and unfruitful and so we need to be aware of that as we're moving forward and persevering in our faith and to be expecting that. So we're going to walk through some of these key words in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8 or so. And we might, we'll look at some other verses too. But um, we're going to kind of blaze through this pretty, pretty fast. So I'm going to give you guys some points as we go through. The first point is the foundation is faith. The foundation is faith in Christ. And we see this at the beginning of verse 5. It says, make every effort to supplement your faith. And then it goes on and gives a list. So everything else 
comes after faith. Faith is the first thing. And this is a, a faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, a popular belief right now is something like this. Okay, And tell, you guys probably have heard this again and again. But it sounds something like this. Hey, faith is good. Christianity, hey, that's great too. That's one of many great faiths to choose from. It's one of many sets of belief. It's beliefs. It's one of many narratives that you could you could believe in. It's one of many myths. And what you need to do is you need to choose the 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 belief that best suits you. And you need to choose the faith that's really going to help you in life. Choose the one that fits you. It's kind of like going shopping for your favorite cereal. <laughs> no! <laughs> you guys can say it with me. No. 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 You guys, no. you'll hear this again and again. Uh, one of my friends on Thursday, sorry, I yelled in your ear, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, one of my friends, she, uh, the, the other night, she was telling my wife and I that her therapist told her this. Her therapist told, told her this. It was a Christian therapist. And she was like, yeah, my therapist was telling me how, like, she helps people from many faiths and that their faiths are just really to help them overcome their, their you know, struggles in life. Okay. Our faith does help us overcome struggles. But it is so much more than that. Jesus Christ is more than just a helpful set of beliefs to keep you going through hard times. He does do that, but he's more than just that. I want to fast forward in 2 Peter, 2 Peter to uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Look at verse 16. This is what Peter says. He says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's saying, this is real. This is not just helpful. This is actually real. And you guys, if you want to persevere in your faith, it cannot just be a coping mechanism for you. It needs to be something that you believe is actually true, that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he really died for you, that he really was raised from the dead, and he really has the power to save you. And he is the way to eternal life and salvation. You've got to have a belief in that. If you have a belief in that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really help keep you on track. It's like if someone tried to argue with me that my father was not really real, but he was just a helpful thing for me to think about, I'd be like, you're crazy. I know my father is real. I do love that he supports me. That's helpful. But he's not just a helpful sentiment. He's my dad, and I, I know him. It's got to be the same in our faith with G in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the object of our faith, and he's the one who can save you. All right, number two. I'm reading out of the ESV, um, so some some of the words might be a little bit different. Uh, but the second key word is virtue. In verse five, it says, supplement your faith with virtue. So this is point number two, virtue. Um, in some translations, like the NLT, it translates it as moral excellence. That's kind of a helpful insight. This virtue um, is us putting into practice what we know is right. 
most of us, even before coming, even, even when we first come to Christ, you haven't studied the Bible at all, you probably know a lot about what is morally excellent and right. And so we've got, to, we really do have to strive to do it. And some people might say, hey, that's legalism. No, Peter's actually telling us we need to do that. We, we actually need to supplement our faith with virtue. Now, remember, we were talking about some schemes of the enemy. Here's one for you guys. You can write down, write down this. I, I'm calling it the passion play. I got, I got this from Harold Bullock. Um, I don't know if any of you guys know him, but um, he calls it the passion play. And here's the objective of this scheme of the enemy. It's to keep a seeker, like someone who's, who's exploring faith in Jesus, or a new believer from connecting with other Christians where he can really grow and instead to take a path into a trap. So I call it the passion play because usually someone's alluring you into something passionate. So maybe it's an old love interest that comes back or maybe a bad boy that, you know, the bad boy comes along, right? <laughs> He's bad. He's so cool, you know? Um, and, or maybe it's a drinking buddy or someone you used to use drugs with, get high with, whatever. Um, and, and they lead you aside. They lead you astray. They, they pull you out of community. Um, one of my roommates, when I was a junior year, this happened to him and and me and him had just gotten plugged in with challenge the year before we were getting discipled we were growing in our faith and i was a sophomore he was a junior so i was living in my own apartment he was living in a house we had no plans of moving back into the dorms but we thought you know how it would be so strategic if we moved back into the dorms and did our best that year to go share the gospel with as many people as we could in the dorms like what what kind of an impact could we have and we started to put our heads together about this and so we moved into the dorms our 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 next year my it was my junior year his his senior year his last year and we move into the dorms and we are starting to minister to people we wrote a, a customized note to every single person on our floor and invited them to a bible study and we were providing bibles for people and um just doing our best to be a witness for christ and then the craziest thing happened. One night, I come back to the room, and he's like, Kevin, a girl put a note under my door. She's never seen me before, but she says she thinks I'm really cute. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to meet with me. Like, I think I'm going to go meet with her. And I'm going, I don't know. I mean, what? I don't know. And um, I was not as wise at the time and probably should have slapped him when he, you know, thought about pursuing that idea but um he was like all right like i'm gonna i'm gonna just just hang out with this girl you know what what, what harm could it be right and sure enough she's this cute australian girl and um you know <laughs> After that, like he he totally lost his passion for for reaching people for Christ, and you know he started uh, not coming to challenge, you know not coming to the Bible studies. He became more secretive. I didn't know what was going on in his life. He didn't really want to talk about it. Um, 
but he totally got taken out of the game as far as effectiveness for Christ. Now, was he still saved? Yeah, I think he was still saved. But the enemy had taken him away from being effective. His, his last year of college, when he could have been so effective. And now after that, after that year, he finally realized, okay, this was crazy. And he made apologies that he needed to. Um, and hopefully he's still walking with God now. But you see how this, this can happen really, really easy. And it seems like, oh my gosh, the girl of my dreams just came right under my door or whatever. And, it, um, you know, at that point I would have said, wow, that's crazy. But now I go, no, that's, that's not crazy at all. If I could give, if I could get a nickel for every student who started walking with God, who was then taken off tra- track by a love interest, I would, I would be a rich campus minister, right? Like, um, it just happens again and again and again. So watch out, watch out for this type of stuff. Um, and the counter strategy. So when you see this happening, you gotta identify it. And the counter, counter strategy is to flee. It's to flee. Second Timothy 2.22, it says, flee the evil desires or the passions of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of the pure heart. So we, we need to recognize these situations and flee from them. All right, number three is knowledge. Point number three, knowledge, really simple. Um, in verse five, it says, and virtue with knowledge. So we're supposed to add knowledge. So what type of knowledge um, do we need to be growing in? I think there's a handful of key areas that, that I've at least identified and jotted down. One is who God is from God's perspective, who is God? Not my made up version of God, but who is God as revealed in scripture? Who am I? What is my identity as revealed in scripture? How am I to see others as the, the scripture talks about? How am, I, how am I to view those who are, who are in Christ? How am I to view those who are not yet uh, Christians? And then how am I to view the world and how it works? We need to be aware of these things and grow in our knowledge of them. And then finally, how to live in the world that God created. We need to grow in knowledge of these areas. So we, le- we learn this through God's word, study of God's word, and looking to reliable teachers and sources, okay? The strategy that the enemy will use is something uh, uh, called the fog. So this is something you can write down, the fog. The goal of this, of Satan's strategy here, is to keep the believer from grasping scriptural truth and applying it to his life and to undermine solid Christian doctrines, okay? So uh, what this usually looks like is there's a confusing person who shows up, maybe not to lead them into, into sin necessarily, but to undermine uh, the new believer's confidence in the scripture. So this could be a cult member, um, at San Diego State, we've got this group, we call them the Mother God group. You guys got them at yes. your Yes. Okay. I got toxic. 
two by one if you need. Oh yeah, yeah. They are they go after students and especially especially students who are new to the faith. They're looking for people who don't really know the Bible very well yet. And and they they seem really persuasive. They come up, hey bro, you, you heard about God the mother? Yo. You heard about God the mother? There's a God the Father, right? Yeah. Yeah, if there's a God the Father, there has to be a God the the mother. Who's that? And it is a it is a Korean woman. What? That's what they believe. Now they won't tell you that up front. That's like five lessons in. <laughs> but but you've got to, you're open minded, right? You, you need the lessons. You need. I, I've done some research. I've done some research. And sadly, I've I've had guys. Uh, one of our guys at Challenge. He was a new believer. He came, got baptized. He was growing in his faith, and thought, oh, I'll check out a Bible study with these Mother God people. They're, they seem convincing, and he. He got totally sucked into it. Totally sucked in. Um, so cults will oftentimes lead people astray. Um, and they sound really convincing. It could be also like a liberal Christian who's just like doesn't believe in the authority of scripture and might say, you know what? They, you know, the Bible, it's it's full of errors, right? It's just written by men. Um we want to get to know the historical Jesus, right? Because you care about history, right? You care about history? Yeah. 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 So don't you want to know the historical Jesus, not just the, the fictitious Jesus that you believe in? Um, and they, they come in to confuse you. Maybe it's a social justice warrior who's trying to undermine your Christian beliefs. Or maybe it's a super, super hyper conservative Christian who's focused on Bible code. Or, I don't know, some other weird thing, like wearing a head covering. Um, and just confuses you. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And, and keeps you from growing in your faith. So here's the counter strategy. Take teaching from leaders whose lives you know and you, you've seen the outcome of their lives. Hebrews 13, verse 7 talks about this. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there on the internet. And... The, the thing is, you can find someone on the internet to validate pretty much any heretical belief you want to hold to. If there's a sin that you really want to do, you can find someone who tell, will tell you that the Bible says it's okay. You can find people who, who will condone anything, and they'll twist the scripture to make it say something that it really doesn't. And so um, learn from teachers who you, who you know. Plug in with, with a good group like challenge and a good local church and and uh i've i've had friends just get really taken astray by this stuff i did have one friend who was getting all into bible code stuff and he was watching this guy on you know internet videos and who you know wore like tunics and stuff and i don't know it was weird um but it made him it made my friend question all of the the true doctrine that he was learning at church and his pastor was like, I don't know what you're talking about with this stuff. So he was, so my friend was like, oh, the pastor doesn't even know the secrets. Wow. So um, watch out for this stuff and pursue knowledge from scripture and from teachers that you know. Number four is self-control. And knowledge with self-control. This is, talk, is in uh, verse six. I want to point us to 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. This is a good verse to memorize. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. 
it says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So in other words, what Paul is saying is we are running to get something that will last for eternity. So do not so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So self-control and self-discipline, it's actually something that God promises to give to us, that he has given to us when, when we come to faith in him. First Timothy 1.7, or maybe it's 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, I have, not, I have not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so the enemy, what he'll do is he'll come along and he will try and get, get you to, to be thinking um, thoughts that will prevent you from being self-disciplined. So let me give you a few examples. One of the enemy thoughts is it's too hard. And this is just too hard right now. I can't do it because it's too hard. And we need to overcome that with the truth in scripture. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when that thought is coming to your mind, it's just too hard. I can't do what God's called me to. No, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, it's not fair. That's another enemy thought. Man, this just isn't really fair right now. Um, and we need to to not go down that hole. Like, there there are some things that are seem really genuinely not fair. But if you tell yourself that story again and again and again, it is going to keep you from being self-controlled, and it's going to keep you from making the most of the opportunity, because that's what you're called to do. You're not called to necessarily make the outcomes perfect. You are called to make the most of the opportunity and to do that day after day after day after day. And then you'll die. And you will have persevered. Um, so instead of telling ourselves it's not fair, we need to tell ourselves, I am called to make the most of every opportunity. And I'm actually getting a far better deal than I really deserve. Jesus actually died for me, and I'm a recipient of his grace, and he took what was not fair so that I could get something better than I deserve, eternal life. And he has gone through situations before me that were not fair. He has legitimately been oppressed and afflicted for our sake. And I will stand with him, and I will make the most of the opportunity. Another enemy thought is I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm all alone. I'm all alone in this sin struggle. No one else here is, is dealing with smoking pot and can't stop. No one else here is dealing with pornography. No one else here is, you know, dealing with whatever. And we got to overcome with that, that with, no, you know what? The Bible tells us that no temptation has seized me, has seized us except what is common to man. And Christ is with me and he will empower me. And even if I do feel like the only one, Christ is with me. And a lot of times we aren't the only one. Another enemy thought is, it's not what I want. Oh, I get this one all the time. It's not what I want. The situation wasn't what I wanted. And so we give up. Um, but we have to have the mind of Christ, which when Christ was in the garden, when he was about to go to the cross, he didn't say it's not what I want and then quit. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let it be. 
but not my will be done, but your will be done. And so we want to imitate that attitude. Uh, another enemy thought is I'm too tired. Um, you guys, there will be times when we're really tired. I've been reading a biography about George Whitfield, and it's crazy that how resilient some of these guys were like a couple hundred years ago. Like any, I'm reading his journals. George Whitfield was like an evangelist. And in his journals, he'll be like, I was so sick today, I could hardly walk. I couldn't walk. But I, I was strengthened to preach to 5,000 people. And God carried me through for three hours as I, you know, preached to them and many were converted. And it's like, and then, and then he went back to being sick. And here's my point with that. Like maybe he was pushing a little hard, okay? My point with that is that God will give us the strength. We gotta believe this, guys. God will give us the strength and energy to persevere through any situation that he has called us to. We have to tell ourselves that, that is the truth. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's Isaiah 40, 31. So we need to say, I believe that God will enable me to do what he has called me to do. God has given you his spirit, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Number five is steadfastness. Steadfastness. Um, steadfastness is, the, the way I've described it, it's a steady persistence in the same direction for a long time. Steady persistence in the same direction for a long time. Temptation will come, distractions will come, and the scheme of the enemy here, uh, someone already mentioned it, but it's to find some way to pull them away from community. To, to find some way to pull you out of community, um, usually by a situation. So it might be that perfect job that falls into their lap, but it takes them to a remote, you know, place in Antarctica where there are zero people and there is no community and there is no opportunities for growth or or ministering to others. Um, it might be a life change. It might be um, a sickness or did someone say adult acne? <laughs> I guess it could be that, you know, just something that makes people really self-conscious or something. I, I get acne, so anyway. Um, it could be a schedule change. It could be a job that says, hey, you know what? I'm sorry, but um, we need you to work on Thursday nights at 7.30. Like, that's, that's it. You have to work on Thursday nights at 7.30. And just pull you out of community. And to this, we have to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33 through 34. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So what that means is we need to put Christ's kingdom above even our school. I know it's so tempting as students to put school as number one, and maybe even to say the cliche thing, my, my education is my ministry. Well, if your education is your ministry now, your job will be your, what you consider your ministry later. You need to take your, your walk with God seriously today and make the kingdom a priority. Um, when you think about a job change, when you think about a move, you want to think about how is this going to affect my spiritual life so that I can stay in community and stay growing. 
All right, we're just gonna um, blast through the, the last ones right here. We've got godliness on the list in verse six. It says, and steadfastness with godliness. Godliness is your character, but it's also um, a reference towards God. It's constantly checking in with God. So it's not just virtue, but it's actually going, God, what do you think about this situation? What do you think about this decision? For me, it's God, can I buy this bike right now? Okay. No, I won't do it. No, or whatever. It's constantly checking in with God. Um, number seven is brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. And we see that in verse seven. Our affections towards others is, is important for us to have love in the heart. Um, but then we also see love as the last item listed on the list to add to brotherly affection, love. And this is the famous love that you guys may have heard of. In Greek, the word is agape, right? It's, it's agape. It's, it is a love that has affection, but also benevolence. It's an active love. It's the type of love that God shows towards us. And what Jesus says in John 14, 21 is the person who knows my commands and keeps them, that's who loves me. So there's this idea of this love being very active. It comes out in our actions. Um, and it's not just an affection in the heart, although it is. All right, in conclusion, guys, we're wrapping up here. Um, you need to continue, oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, you need to continually practice these things. It's not enough just to know them. It's not enough just to come to a workshop on them. I would recommend you memorizing um, this verse at some point, this, this set of verses in 2 Peter chapter 1. But it's not enough even to just memorize them. We have to actually practice them. So take a look at verse 5 real quick and what it says. The very beginning of it, it says, make every effort. This is something we need to make an intentional effort in doing and practicing these things. And there's a promise, though, with it, guys. This isn't just, here's a list of things to do, and hopefully it'll work out for you. But it's, there, there's a promise attached to it. In verse 8, it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, that's what perseverance is all about. It's continuing in being effective and fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ till the day we die. And so we have a promise here that if we are working on these things, we will be effective and fruitful in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was an old man who had made disciples his whole life, and um, a younger disciple came to him and thought he would ask this profound question. <sighs> All right, you ready? He asked the older man, how do we continue in discipleship and making disciples for the long run? How do we persevere like you have? <sighs> and he was waiting a profound response, and the old man, eventually did something like slam his fist down and he said follow Jesus today follow Jesus today and today one day will turn into two days and eventually a week 
and a week will turn into a month, and a month will turn into a year, and years will turn into decades, and decades will turn into your lifetime. You choose to follow him and make the most of the opportunity today. And you keep doing that one day at a time. Let me pray for us. God, we, are, we thank you that you are the God who is for us. That you don't call us to yourself and then leave us on our own to go try and figure it out. But that you are with us always to the very end of the, the age. And that we are not the source of our power, but you are the source of our power. And by your spirit, we will persevere. So God, I pray an anointing and a blessing on each student in this room right now. God, that this would be a group that decides to fully commit to you and live for you till the day they die. God, I pray if there's anyone in this group who feels like, nah, I don't know, this, I'm skeptical of all this, I'm hesitant about this. God, that you would remove those doubts right now, flood them with your presence and your peace to know that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that you are worthy of, of following you. You're the treasure hidden in a field. You are the pearl of great price. You are worth everything. And thank you for dinner. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also leave us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.